Hello and welcome to this bite-sized edition of the On The Whistle podcast. I'm your host, Alistair Howarth. And let me tell you, it is a busy time for the podcast because football is an industry that never stops. We've got the World Cup, the biggest festival of football around the corner. And stick with us because we've been previewing all the African countries going. We'll be getting news and interviews, hopefully, from players and staff on the ground in Qatar. We've got our man on the ground, uh, Francis Inquain, there to tell us what's going on. But we've got another man from our team here today. The brilliant, the ever-wise Courtney Freeze. Courtney, how are you doing tonight? Alistair, my friend, I'm well. Uh, I know you've had quite a quite a busy week this week <laughs> with Blackburn uh, getting through, uh, getting past West Ham in the Carabao Cup. Unfortunately, you guys didn't get past Burnley today. Uh, but stay positive. You're still second in the table. Keep going. Come on, Blackburn Rovers. Courtney is just trying to put me in a bad mood at the beginning of the podcast, bringing up Burnley already. It's shameful. But anyway, we'll get straight into it. The World Cup is not the only football that's been going on um, at, at the moment. We've also had the CAF Women's Champions League that's been going on for the last couple of weeks. For those of you who don't know, the format is you qualify for regional qualifiers and it's a one-off tournament. So it's not like the Men's Champions League that played around you know, the year. It's instead this one big tournament that goes on for a couple of weeks and it's really exciting it's the second year it's been going champions mama Lodi sundowns from courtney's neck of the woods down in south africa were in their second final on the trot they won last year's competition they didn't concede a single goal in last year's competition and they were playing a rematch of their group stage rivals last year asfar rabat who were hosts this year the moroccan club hosting the competition for the first time and taking on Mamelodi Sundowns. And we were expecting a tight, feisty game. Both sides had dominated their group, won all three games in their group, won their semifinals, both quite close, actually. It wasn't, they, they weren't comfortable, but they both looked really good coming into the final. We were expecting a tight, close encounter. And Courtney, what, what did we get? Well, firstly, we didn't get a tight, close encounter. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I was a bit worried, Alistair, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, 20, 20, 25 minutes into the game, um, and I think I even messaged you guys. Uh, three yellow cards. One yellow card was the, a bit debatable at the moment. It was just a high level of indiscipline from the Sundowns players. Uh, Sundowns weren't fluid. They weren't playing well. And as far were just very defensive, a lot of discipline. And Sundowns were just totaling up fouls and yellow cards until the 31st minute. First red card comes out, boom, Sundowns are down to 10 people. Yeah, and it went from bad to worse. The Asfar club went on to win the game 4-0. It was not a close one. Mamelodi Sundowns, like I said, hadn't had only conceded one goal in all nine of their CAF Champions League games before this night, and they conceded four. The penalty was scored by Fatima Tagna to give them the lead early in the first half, and then when those red cards came through, it was... Ibtisem Jaraidi, who plays for the Moroccan national team, who grabbed a hat trick and was, I think, taking her to her tally to six goals of the tournament, top goal score, overtaking Lelona Daweti from the Sundowns. And yeah, it was it was hard viewing, particularly that second half, huh, Courtney? <laughs> well, the second half was, I, I just, listen, uh, Sundowns go down to nine players. The second half, you think to yourself now, as far, if I'm the manager of the club, and remember, I'm, I've never been a manager. 
It's always <laughs> very difficult for me to say what managers should do. Uh, but Osfo were just disciplined, stayed with the with the lead, stayed with the one nil advantage, and then just knew the fact that with two less men, they just need to ride their time, gaps will open up, and goals will come. And that's exactly what happened. But Alistair, it's their second goal where the quality of, you can see the set piece, um, the work on the training ground is being executed. Sundowns get a, a foul in another player sent off right near the corner line, which I, I really don't understand what type of tackle that is. At the corner line, when you're on a yellow card, you go and smash someone when your team has already got one man down. So they go two people down, okay? But the, the execution of the set piece, man, it's just that the butterfly run from the back post round and the pass that came forward, the strike into the top corner uh, by Asfar, I, I just thought it was a wonderful set-piece goal. And that just sets up the second half. From there onwards, Asfar were in control of the game, I thought. But the more I kept watching this game, Sundowns were playing better with nine players. They had so many chances. I thought the Asfar goalkeeper was excellent. Not just excellent, very brave. Made two very crucial saves at the feet of attacking Sundowns players. Um, the game became more enjoyable with nine players at Sundowns. Sundowns looked a bit more penetrative. But as far were just remaining disciplined, defending well and attacking as, as a unit, outnumbering Sundowns, which eventually Sundowns lose 4-0. And all it comes down to is poor discipline. It's not down to effort. It's not down to personnel. No. Just poor discipline. Yeah, it's a, it's a real shame that we were kind of denied the final that we were we were really hoping for because because of those red cards because this was a final that had so much built up into it. Not only was it kind of the two favorites of the competition coming head to head, this was also billed as a rematch of the 2022 women's Afcon final that was between Morocco and South Africa in the very same stadium, Stade Moulay Abdallah. Uh, in which the final happened, in which South Africa got the better of Morocco and beat them 2-1 in that final to take home their first ever WAFCON trophy. Um, and and of course, these are the two teams that are the backbones of those teams. I think between the two of them, they I think they had on the starting starting lineups between the two of them had you know nine or ten players who featured in that final. Um, and most notably was was Fatima Tagnout, who was given player of the tournament, a superb performance from the winger. Um, you just got a couple assists in the final as well as scoring the penalty to to help them on their way. But it's a really exciting time for Asfar, who, you know, we've spoken about across African football as, as kind of the way to go about doing women's football well. They've invested in the club. They, you know, they're the backbone of the this Moroccan team that's now going to their first ever World Cup. And it's and it's really exciting. But one thing that's that sticks out to me kind of looking at at this is the development of these two nations. You know, it surely can't be a coincidence that last year, Mamelodi Sundowns in the first Champions League gets to the final and wins it. Asfar get knocked out in the in the semifinals. And then this year in the women's AFCON, both South Africa and Morocco get to the final. South Africa winning their first ever title. Morocco only qualifying for their second ever tournament. They get to the final in front of an amazing home support. And yep. then just a few months ago, or a few months later, sorry, you have these two teams matching up. You know, Courtney, I want to hear, what is your impression? You know, on this podcast, we've had some Fiwe Dudlu, 
We've had Coach Desiree Ellis, the head coach of Banyana Banyana, on the podcast. You know them both. You know, how do you think football has developed specifically in South Africa? And, you know, how is the women's game suddenly coming to the fore in these last few years? The women's game is 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 impacting greatly in South Africa, but it's also very disappointing. I feel that the rate of growth, the cultivation of the game at the moment, because you've got some of the biggest clubs, let's say, in Africa, not having women's teams. And, and that just isn't right at all. Or, or not pushing on or growing women's teams to be able to be competitive enough like the Sundowns ladies team is. Now, you can't deny the quality that's in that side. If you look at the structure, if you look at what the team is made of, and an upcoming guest of ours, which is Simone Connolly, who was part of the bench today, is the bioconnectors for the Sundowns team. So you can look at the investment being put into the growth of the female game in South Africa, but only in certain areas. Now, Desiree Ellis, Coach Desiree Ellis, uh, Coach Simpiwa Tulu will be talking about, yes, but we need these players to be co competitive, in competitive games, playing week in, week out, and that's how the game will grow. This is how South Africa gets better. Because as you know, South Africa were in, uh, in Europe not so long ago, played uh, the soccer rules, lost 4-0. But this is the pathway of growth in trying to get better. But in order for you to try and get better, you need to have a competitive league in South Africa amongst giants playing week in, week out. And this is something we don't have at the moment. But this is something we should be getting, especially for the likes of Orlando Pirates, which is a, a brand name like no other. Kaiser Chiefs, which is a brand name like no other. The game needs that in order for the football teams, ladies football teams to get better. 100%. And, and, you know, every time, you know, when I was in Morocco this summer covering the women's AFCON, every time I'd speak to, to Coach Desiree, she'd always be talking, you know, this isn't enough. We need more. Even after winning winning the the final, winning the trophy, you know, she was she was giddy like a, you know, like a schoolgirl, but she still would be able to turn on and say, we still need more. We need more investment. And, and, and I think this is, a, again, a really interesting parallel between these two sides because both Mamelodi Sundance and Asfarabat have completely dominated their countries you know, cleaning up title after title in the women's game. But it's because they're the only teams that have a big base in terms of already strong existing men's club, but have also invested in their women's club. You know, you're talking about Orlando and Pirates and, and Kaiser Chiefs, you know, two of the biggest sporting brands in Africa, you know, not having a women's team. But you look at Morocco, we have the exact same thing. Widad Casablanca, Raja Casablanca, again, two of the biggest brands in African football. Now, they actually have teams, but they're still both amateur. They're still both in the lower league. Neither of them are, you know, even in the second division, let alone the first. So, you know, and, and there's this real sense that, you know, these teams need to catch up. These teams need to catch up and make these kind of domestic leagues competitive. Because, you know, as much as it's great that CAF has started putting on the Women's Champions League and it's exciting, particularly because it's regional qualifying. We don't want to be seeing Mamelodi Sundowns and Asfar Rabat in the final every year. You know, it's exciting for this rivalry, but, you know, next year I want to see, you know, these other teams. I want to see a Kaiser Chiefs putting it up a team that can compete with Sundowns and they can maybe qualify for the Women's Champions League. And, and you know, I want to see, you know, Widar, Raja, Barkan, you know, any of these other it's really successful men's clubs putting up teams to to compete. Um, and I wanted to ask you, Courtney, on on the format, because the format is, you know, regional qualifiers. And so, you know, as much 
one of the one of the most exciting teams at this tournament was the Green Buffaloes from Zambia. We saw players like Irene Lungu, who plays for the Zambia national team, perform really, really well. Um, and they actually beat Sundowns in qualifying, but Sundowns qualified as champions. But that's the only region in which two could qualify. You know, you, we we missed out on Hasaka's ladies who got to the final last year from Ghana because they didn't qualify. They lost in the qualifiers, which is the same one-off tournament, which Bielsa Queens kind of won in, in uh, the kind of Nigerian Ghanaian region. You know, how do you think that format does in terms of promoting the regions, but also does it kind of suppress a lot of these really good teams that could qualify, but don't just because they miss out in the, in the actual qualifying round? Well, I, I think you've raised maybe one or even two questions in, in, in what you've just brought up there is the format. You must take into account then uh, the continent is a huge continent and we're trying to get everybody squeezed into this one tournament to be able to create this really celebration of excellent football. Okay, so the format is always going to be a dicey point. I think this is why the CAF Champions League, even for the men's tournament, that format's been looked at as well. What is the best format currently to enable the best teams to get to the front and, and consistently perform. What is the solution to that? I think, unlike anywhere else, Africa struggles with the traveling aspect, which is what Coach Gavin Hunt spoke about the other the, the when we had him on our show not so long ago. The, 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 the travel that the teams need to go into actually dictates the format. The format is what what is a big thing here so do i have a solution to that absolutely not at the moment uh, i understand the point the question but i don't what i'm going to go back to your point about desiree ellis and and being as you said giddy after winning the the the, the ladies uh, african nations cup she she needs more you're right she needs more she needs more highly skilled assets in her care to be able to put up a team that now, now not only conquers Africa, can go to a World Cup and, and put their footprint there, but not just going, but going to compete heavily. And she's right. They do need more. And this is what we are, we are talking about at the moment. The lack of opportunities from big teams in South Africa where there should be female uh, competitors and players is just not evident in the moment. And the question is why? Why? Is that, you know, how how are these clubs nurturing the game? So I'll give an example here. I, I live in an area, as you know, in Essex, in Grace. And we have a, a small club near us, a, a club called uh, Billericay FC. We've actually had the owner of Billericay FC come to our school to promote, in an assembly, the women's game. Come to our school. The owner of the club came to the school to promote the women's game on the weekend and provided tickets for our students to come on watch. Now, what does that do? It firstly provides a family uh, moment for students to go out with their families and enjoy these games, number one. But number two, it gets people involved. Oh, this is happening in my area. I also want to go and get involved. I also want to uh, be part of this new regime, this new movement. Now, if you start looking at the female games, the WSL here in England, you're getting fourteen to 20,000 people going to watch these games all of a sudden because they're growing the culture well. And this is what we hope starts to happen in South Africa with some of the biggest clubs in the world. Why is that not happening? So there just maybe needs to be this mission statement that currently exists at Sundowns. Footballers, 
which needs to exist at other clubs as well. Absolutely. And I, and I think that's one thing that we, we've seen Morocco do so well is the investment in the women's game. You know, it, I bang on this drum because I don't think it's talked about enough, but Morocco is, is the only country in the world with two fully professional women's football leagues. But I'll tell you something <laughs> as well. I'll, I'll I'll mention something, and you raised this point. I remember I followed you when you were in the, at the African Nations Cup in Morocco. The one thing you kept saying to us, where every time you came back, and uh, I'd watch you on, on, on TV and you're reporting for CNN, the one thing you kept pushing at is the facilities, the infrastructure. You said it's unlike anything you've seen. Now, look at that investment. They want to do well. So Asfar may be there next season again, not because of anything else. They deserve to be there because they're making the investment in the game. We should also be doing that. And other countries in Africa, not just South Africa, should be investing in the women's game so that we have this challenge. We have this uh, footprint that we can take to the World Cup to make an impact. Absolutely. And and both of these teams, you know, like we've said, their national team, South Africa and Morocco, have put put at least some investment in and they've seen the rewards. Both of them will be at the World Cup this summer. And, you know, it's not just the men's World Cup that's happening in the next few months. The women's is going to be coming. We've already got the draw quite recently. South Africa are in a group with Italy, Sweden and Argentina and Morocco are in a group with Germany, Colombia and South Korea, which I think both of them should be aiming for that second slot and, and have it, the tools to qualify out of the groups but we, we look forward to, to to seeing how they get on but the women's world cup is a few months away the men's world cup is kicking off in just a week's time and if you want to keep up to date with all of the news stories and interviews with players from africa and our five nations that are representing us courtney i'm afraid yours is not there at the men's world cup then follow us along at otw underscore podcast on spotify and YouTube and Facebook. You can find us at On The Whistle Podcast. But thank you so much, Courtney, for, for joining in with me and kind of looking you go? forward. Hmm? <laughs> Where you go? Are you sticking with your prediction of the, the team to, the African team to do the best? I can't remember who you picked. Um, I, I don't know if I said any team. Um, I'm like Francis. I'm, I'm diplomatic. No, no, no. Francis <laughs> has got Cameroon. Francis has got Cameroon. I went he he doesn't Morocco. have a choice. I went to Morocco. I said Morocco out of the African teams would go the furthest. I'll, I'll, I'll leave it here. If, if, if the King Sadio is fit, you know my answer. If he's not fit, I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> have Thank a good you one, Gordon. <laughs>